Hi, I'm Ben Stanley, and you're listening to the Marnarchist Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. Last night, if you were at the TED, you saw that Old Dominion basketball started off 1-0 with a win over the Marlins of Virginia Wesleyan. As always, we welcome Coach Jeff Jones back to the show. How's it going, Coach? Going great. Good to be with you guys again tonight. It's great to be back with you, Coach. If, is there any one thing that really stood out to you yesterday that the guys pr- proved to you with that game? Um, you know, I think the good outweighed the bad, but there's, there's lots of things that showed up that we, we clearly have to, uh, improve on and, and address. Um, but the one thing, uh, probably more than anything is, um, we're, we're starting to, to really see what we, we thought was going to be the case. Uh, and that's the ability to get out in transition and, uh, you know, score, score points in, in the open court, um, in order to do that on a consistent basis, our defense has to be better. Our rebounding has to be better. Our aggressiveness in, in getting to 50-50 balls needs to be better. Um, and, you know, the, as many opportunities as we can get out in transition is going to be big because right now we're still figuring things out from a half-court offensive standpoint. We, we had some nice possessions, but it, again, and, and I've with you guys and when I've been on with Scott Jackson, we've talked about how uh, – that the, the half court offense, we we haven't found that rhythm. We're we're just inconsistent with with that, and that's a work in progress. We need to get better. We will get better, but uh, in the meantime, the more more chances we can get out in in transition, the the better for our our club. Yeah, one thing that we noticed last <coughs> night is when you had opportunities to get out in transition, whether it was Vashon or Devin Tyrone, those guys seem to be very comfortable with finishing around the rim with contact. I know that you've mentioned the last podcast you're working with forcing guys to become used to the physicality of the game and that kind of contact. It looks like that's starting to pay dividends and not even talking about Chauncey who, you know, clearly was able to do that last night. It clearly looks like it's going to be a strength. I I, I think so. You know, in not great attempts um, at, at, you know, at at the rim, one was blocked and another one was just a, a tough shot. Dev uh, uh, went went in and he he, he missed uh, one. Um, Vashon over the course of the evening, you know, he was t- two for seven. The the field and I think three or four of those were makeable layups. We clearly have things, but the good thing was we were getting to the rim. Uh, we were able to not just in in the the open court situations, but uh, in, in half court situations, we did attack the rim. The next two games, the next three games, the next four games, we're talking about a step up in competition. And with that, there's going to be more size and more athleticism. Those attempts, uh, the forays to, to the rim, those are going to be more more difficult. We've got to be better, but that, that I think can be a strength. Uh, but we did in the first half miss some opportunities. In, in the second half, we were much, much better at converting those. Now, I know we'll get much more into it in a little bit and – uh, Mike will talk about some things. For people who came out to the game or watched it on ESPN Plus last night, I know we were playing Virginia Wesleyan, so obviously you were talking about the next games are going to be a step up in competition, but Virginia Wesleyan's got quick players, so they're small, obviously undersized compared to us, and we're not big, but being able to get to the rim and 
Pyrone really show that quick first up that we had talked about before are going against quick players. So I saw that as a positive last night that I think will translate. Yeah, you can translate with with uh, Virginia Wesleyan, their uh, defensive ability on the perimeter that that translates at a D1 level. Their guards move well. They're aggressive. They really attack the ball handler when they come in there, and they, you know, will will uh, you know pinch pinch in there uh, when when somebody tries to drive. And early on, they were having some success. I think Chauncey had uh, a turnover uh, or two. Vashon had a couple where they weren't able to clearly get get by, and the, the help defense came in. I think eventually, what happened? A couple guys made made the right play. When you're driving the ball and the def- another defender comes in, you don't try harder and just kind of run into to the double team out to the three-point shooter. Bryce was a recipient of uh, one or two of those. Um, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, v- v- Vishon, yeah, statistically you look at he he struggled a little bit last night. He didn't shoot it well, had some turnovers, but he made a couple just really, really uh, great, great passes. The one to uh, Leroy, uh, I wasn't sure that was going to be completed, uh, but uh, that was an amazing look. He had one or two uh, to to the corner to three point shooters. I think that showed his ability to to make the pass and to see the pass. Uh, but uh, as as you said, uh, getting back to your question, sorry I got off. The Virginia Wesleyan guards were doing a great job of moving their feet and making it tough, but eventually I think we we just were able to attack from too many spots. We recently talked about the flex on defense and kind of make sure we can provide the right help in the paint and on the perimeter. I think last night they did a great job on the perimeter. But the other thing that I noticed last night was the active hands, getting those turnovers, turning over the guards, and starting those fast breaks. Yeah, Is that something you expect to be a strength of us this year, those active hands? It can be. The thing that that I think a lot of people and even young players don't understand um, – is that you don't create turnovers um, by gambling all the time and, and being undisciplined. You create turnovers by being in the right the right position and then having those active hands and anticipating. If you're gambling all the time, you you might you you might get you might you know run through a passing lane and get a steal and go down, but they're gonna they're gonna set you up you know more often than than not. Uh, so what we try to teach is is the correct defensive. Uh, technique and positioning and all that. And then with their athleticism, having the active hands, be, being aware and anticipating what's going on, then you can force those turnovers. And you're, you're able to force turnovers and not give up the, the really bad uh, de- defensive plays. Michael Jordan, to me, was the best at that. You know, people um, think of his scoring and all the things that he did. You know, Michael Jordan was a great defender. Um, and he, he, but he could guard scores. He could guard ball handlers. He could, you know, he, he could guard all different. And in, in that regard, I think that's, that, that's part of my, uh, belief that, that Jordan was the best player of all time. Not to get that started here, but, uh, because he was so good defensively, not just at stealing the ball, not just at blocking shots, but, he was a great team defender. He was a great individual defender. That's that. That's what we want our guys to be. Well, you're not going to get any arguments from me on that one. I'm, I'm not going to be throwing uh, 
any other names that start with the the letter L out there. Michael Jordan is definitely mine. Yeah, you know what? Um, and I am going to give a, a you know a qualifier here. I think LeBron is unbelievable, right? I just happen to favor Michael. Now, there's guys that that love LeBron, and, and I'm not going to argue with that. They everybody's entitled to your opinion. I don't want to get into it, not with you guys, but with any of the listeners, some heated debate. Look, if your guy is Kobe, if your guy's Kareem, ever, there's there's a lot of great players, and 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 oftentimes I think it just what's the beauties in the eye, eye of the beholder, like whoever, whoever, you know, all 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 of those guys are, are just un, un, unbelievable players. All right, so we've talked about rebounding a couple times uh, over the course of the first couple podcasts last night. We out-rebounded the Marlins 49-33, to 33. so two questions here. One, uh, obviously, we're a bigger team, so we'd expect to out-rebound them, but what can you take away from your rebounding performance? And the other thing is maybe it's more of a comment, and you can just either tell me I'm completely wrong or if, if we're on the right track, is I thought that Vashon rebounded the ball really well last night. Does that appear to be a strength, especially – being concerned about rebounding this season. Well, no, number one, it's uh, rebounding in general. That's, you know, I, I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's definitely a concern. We've, we've got to get better. Forget about the numbers last night. We have to become a better rebounding team. If we are going to become a better rebounding team, it's going to come from the guards. Chauncey's got to get three or four. RJ's got to get three, four, five. Wade's got to get a bunch. Uh, Ty, I thought Ty did a good job in the second half of rebounding the ball at the defensive end. I, I think, uh, you know, Vashon is a guy, he, you know, he, he does have a nose for the basketball, so he can, he can get in there. Bryce hasn't really rebounded that much, that well thus far, but um, last year he, he showed a, a knack for, for getting when he was playing consistent minute doing a, a solid job on the defensive boards we've got to do it collectively we don't have the one great rebounder that that we had last year in, in Mackay we're going to have to do it by committee we've got to be committed uh to it we've got to stick our nose in there but it might not be the ones that are above the rim we've got to do a good job of, of checking out of going and if the ball hits the floor those 50 50 we got to do a better job than we did in the first half of, of last night's game and again all of that stuff, you can't run if you can't get the ball. But if you're taking the ball out of the net, it makes it really, really difficult to get down the floor uh, and beat your opponent. So we've got to figure a way to get stops and to finish possessions if ultimately we're going to be the kind of team that we want to be. So last night, due to very varying circumstances, you had to go to a five-guard lineup. Was that the first time you guys have done that, or is that something you've had to work on in practice kind of as a stopgap measure? You're talking about when we put Wade at the five. Um, uh, that was that was with with Dorico out. Uh, Danny got drilled in the face a couple times, and and you know after the second one he got hit pretty good. I I, I just kind of rested him and Leroy. Um, I thought Leroy came in and acquitted himself, you know, fair, fairly well. But I didn't I, I didn't want to just leave him out there, and so we we went with a lineup that we we hadn't. Uh, we, you know, we hadn't uh, really practiced, but for, for, for Wade, that's playing that position. That's, that, that's easy for, for him um, to make the adjustment. It's not easy being out there, you know, but he, he can make that adjustment uh, w- without a problem. That's not a lineup that we, 
would hope to be playing uh, a lot. Uh, but in, in a pinch, maybe that's something we might have to go to. Could it be a lineup that when maybe you're playing a really big team and you can outspeed someone with a big center who's slow and plotting and get them into trouble? Well, I, you know, from an offensive standpoint, for sure. But the question comes, can, can we rebound? It boils down to that. We did last year at, at times early in the non-conference season try to play way that some, uh, you know, as a, a, a as a five man, um, and he can move around. And he's a terrific passer. Offensively, that 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 creates some some problems. But I'm not sure that we're going to be able to to rebound well enough to to play that one a lot to go that to that w- without having to. All right. So we went to that five guard lineup you mentioned after Dorico went out towards the end of the first half. Dorico picked up a personal foul. Comes to the bench. We don't see him after that, but people have asked on social media what was up with that. Can you give us any insight on what's going on, Jeff? Well, you know, the the, the situation now, you know, is is Dorico is uh, suspended indefinitely. We need to, to take a step back and hopefully there there will be a, a path for, for him uh, to, to, to rejoin the team. But you know, there's some things that, that he's going to need to do. There's some steps that, that we're going to take. And then if everything aligns then we we we'd love to to have him back in in the fold so to speak he's uh, he could be a really really important part of our basketball team but right now there's some things that uh we we he needs to address and that we'll just have to wait and see what the the, the next step is uh the rest of the guys have to be ready and Danny and and, and Leroy have to step up and uh the other guys all have to you know maybe play a little bit better and and these things happen, whether it's this kind of situation or injuries. Uh, you, it's next man up, and uh, everybody's got to pitch in a little bit more, and, and we've got to find a way. Obviously, we had a couple guys get treatment last night. How did we make it out of that game with injuries? I, I think pretty well. I, emo towards towards the end, I think he just kind of rolled his, his ankle, but he's fine. He, he could have probably gone back in, but... We went ahead, we took him out, and then he had obviously today off. There was no practice today. So I think he should be fine. I'm sure he'll get treatment again tomorrow and, and get all taped up and should be ready to go. Uh, Danny, it was just more kind of, I, I wouldn't say precaution, but uh, he got drilled. We had the game in hand, and so I just wanted to give him a, a little break and and certainly give Leroy an, an opportunity to, to get some repetitions and some experience out there. I, I, I think we're good. Uh, as, as far as the injuries are concerned. And with the big guys, we noticed that Sam wasn't dressed last night. How's his rehab coming? You know, um, Sam's rehab had gone well, and he actually, for the first time, you know, we hadn't seen him out on the court until, uh, you know, since July, I, I think, um, you know, before the, the surgery. Um, and then he was rehabbing, lifting, you know, doing a lot of stuff. And then not last week, the week before, he was able to uh, get out on the practice floor. He had reached whatever the strength thresholds and all that. And then uh, three or four days in, he he tweaked the knee again. So we're probably uh, another two or three weeks out uh, for him to get back to being able to get out on the on the practice court, not ideal, but you can't rush it. And he did have the surgery um, 
and he worked really, really hard with uh, Jason Mitchell, and uh, you know he'll he'll be doing the same same thing and uh, getting treatment and lifting and you know doing all the things that that he needs to do. Uh, and we just will keep our fingers crossed that that this time when he gets back, he can uh, he can stay healthy. All right. So tomorrow is National Signing Day. We know you can't talk about specific recruits until after they have signed. But do you expect all three commits to sign tomorrow? Uh, yeah, we expect. In fact, I've I've been in contact with with the guys um, that, that that have committed, and, and they all will be signing at some point uh, tomorrow. You know, they're all doing some sort of you know an announcement thing at, at their schools, and uh, uh, but they will be be signing the uh, NLIs. That's exciting, considering uh, I think based on the history we have, this will end up being the highest-rated recruiting class ever for Old Dominion basketball, which is pretty exciting. And I'll go right along with the highest-rated Old Dominion sports podcast. I mean, there's only one of them, but <laughs> it is the highest-rated, so I like it. So, Coach, I know the next game is against Ball State. When we talked last time, obviously that was way in the future, and you guys hadn't looked yet. Have you had an opportunity to take a look at Ball State? And if so, what can you tell the fans? We haven't seen anything from this year. We looked, uh, we've, we've seen last year. The problem is, like us and so many others, they, they had a lot of guys leave uh, and a bunch of new guys come in through the transfer portal. So watching last year really isn't, isn't that helpful. They play uh, th- this evening. In fact, they should be right picking off. Yeah. Uh, on ESPN Plus, we'll have a chance to you know to see that, and um, we you know, we they they did have a, a scrimmage or an exhibition, and uh, they refused to exchange film, and uh, which is a little unusual. And the D three team that they played uh, claimed that they didn't even get a box score, so uh, they they're effectively you know sh- shutting this out. They decided they didn't want to play nice, so tonight will be our our first. Uh, opportunity to, to see them play but drew will have the film broken down and the staff will be watching it tomorrow and the team will be watching it uh, tomorrow afternoon you know, it's a, a, a big game the whole sunbelt mac uh challenge is a cool uh, event uh and uh with the sunbelt teams uh going on the road first you know that's a big that's a big deal and hopefully we can be ready and Regardless, they've got new players or whatever. When you go on the road against a MAC team, it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight. That's a, that's another uh, very good uh, mid-major league, and we're going to have to be ready to to really really compete and, and raise our game. We've already talked about once tonight the the level of competition, the level of, of size and athleticism is going to be raised. We've got to play accordingly. So I have a couple things. First off, do you know when the return game of the Sunbelt Mac Challenge will be assigned? Uh, a week, like a week before, I, I believe. Um, okay. You know, obviously the date is there without an opponent. I think it's about about a week out. I mean, it's not a big, a big lead time there. Okay, so and I anticipated us not knowing much about them since their first game is being played right now against the Goshen College Maple Leafs, which is an NAIA school in Indiana. Since we don't know much about Ball State, I thought I'd share some interesting facts I came across. Ball State was founded in 1917 by the Ball Brothers. 
the same Ball brothers who started the Ball Corporation um, that you might be more familiar with them from their mason jars. Mason jars, of course, yes. But more interestingly, they ended up evolving as a company over the years, and they got into avionics and aerospace systems and produced satellites for NASA. Impressive. If you think about that timeline, these guys just started making jars, <laughs> and they end up in space. It's pretty crazy. I'm guessing they may have, have passed, but they probably amassed quite the fortune. If you got your own university named after you, you've done something. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and we, we, we will say that uh, uh, Ken Brown, our uh, business manager, um, it was athletic department business uh, uh, athletic director, I, I guess is, is the right. So he, he works remotely now for, for ODU and he's uh, up just outside of Indianapolis. He's not able to see ODU basketball and his family. So they'll all be coming. And, and Ken actually used to be the athletic director at Ball State. The, we, we, we've heard Ball State f- f- nicely referred to as the, the fighting Ken Browns. So that's, that's just another interesting fact about uh, the university from, from Muncie. Very nice, Mike. Mike told me he had these interesting facts. So I, I was like, well, I've got to, I'm just going to Google Ball Brothers basketball and see what comes up. And unfortunately, these guys don't come up first. You know, you had Lamelo Ball. Yeah, yeah and Lonzo and, you know, those guys. I guess only time will tell to see who makes the most money. Uh, but right now, the Ball Brothers from 1917, I guess, uh, are way in the lead. All right, so last week, the Pride of ODU Collective was launched publicly. How do you foresee the collective impacting your program? Oh, I think it's huge. I think it's huge for for our uh, entire department. Um, I don't have any delusions of grandeur that we're going to be out there, you know, outbidding and out outspending everybody, but uh, to have the opportunity to to have, you know, some literally, I guess, you know, some skin in the game would be really, really important. I, I think, um, you know, re, re, recruits, that's something that they, they ask about, um, not in terms of how much money is, are we involved in the NIL uh, space? And I think uh, even more importantly, you know, with the uh, returning players, trying to retain players, you want to do whatever it is that, that you can do. And again, it's not about matching dollar for dollar, but showing that we try to do everything uh, as a program, everything as a department that we can to, to be competitive and, and to, uh, to help our student athletes uh, experience be a positive one. Me and Aaron joined the day we were made aware of the website. Uh, we're very excited about it and hope all fans that can afford it do consider joining. Uh, obviously, anything we can do to help the programs become more competitive is a positive thing. This weekend, or the, your next game, so you know what you saw that you liked last night, and you saw what you didn't like. What things are you most interested in seeing the team growth-wise in this next game? Being more consistent, being more organized, uh, the defensively um, finishing, um, uh, possessions, playing with uh, more more physical toughness and, and strength. Um, uh, I, I think those are the things that primarily I will be adding some some wrinkles here and there. We've got to be better in our low post defense. 
some of those situations. But the, the big thing is being, being tougher, making more winning plays. Winning plays aren't, aren't the same plays as you see on ESPN top 10 highlights. The highlights, oftentimes, that's, that, that, that's, that can, can help, that can aid winning. It's the little things that you don't see. Coming up with a loose ball. Checking out, and even if you don't get the rebound, checking out and helping your team to secure it, setting a good screen, using the screens, all kinds of little things that that go into being a good basketball team. We need to do those things more often, more consistently, um, uh, and and really value those those things. Winning winning is not easy. Winning on the road is really really hard. Well, winning plays that you mentioned. Mike and I noticed one last night that maybe everyone didn't pick up on. Was, I think Jason was towards the top of the key, and he started without the ball, moving moving down the lane, kind of hesitated a little bit, and then got himself in position conveniently, setting a screen. I can't remember who had the ball, but gave him a clear pathway for a layup on the left side of the rim. I don't know if that was designed or if that was just a heady play on his part, but he seemed to kind of open that up for for the drive. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure the exact play. I, I can tell you there's there's one, and that was when he had he in the second half and he was playing as as the five man. He he did come up. This may have been the one. He he came up and uh, basically slipped a ball screen is what we call it. So there was actually no no contact with the defender, but he 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 made them think, and so the guy guarding Chauncey. Right is is looking and he's peering and he thinks there's going to be a screen. His guy was ready, but as Jason slips, his guy goes with him. Now all of a sudden there's there's no help there, in, in Chauncey. That's a, a just a a really smart play on on Jason's part. You know, it's immediately after that I, I went to Danny and I went to Leroy and I'm like, did we see this? This is this is these are the kind of things that you can do. You know, moving without the ball. In, in understanding situations, sometimes you, you got to set that screen and you got to hold it. But there's other times that you slip that screen and, and basically you influence the, the defense to come with you to create an opportunity for your teammate to, to get the, the, the layup. I love that you mentioned that there because I mentioned it to Mike because seeing that. And then Mike said, as you were talking to, to Danny, uh, and Leroy right there, Mike said, hey, see what coach is doing right there as he's letting them know, hey, see what Jason did right there. Didn't have the ball, but making an impact, a smart play without even having the ball in his hands. Yeah. You know, that's that that's uh, a message that we've we've really tried pounding on, not not just to the, the, the big guys and not just in that situation, impacting winning without the ball. Right. There's only one basketball. Everybody wants wants the basketball, okay? But if you can impact winning without touching the basketball, whatever it is, right, you become more and more valuable. We've had some some guys, Denzel Taylor, who I was texting with uh, last night. He was watching the game up in Toronto. Um, uh, Aaron Carver, never a big scorer, but he he impacted the game. Those guys were great screeners. Uh, they were obviously terrific defenders and, and rebounders. They affected the game uh, very much in, in positive ways with, with without ever really doing much with the ball. Didn't score a lot, didn't have a whole lot of assists, but were we really the teams that, that they played on winning a bunch of games. Yeah, I'll be honest. 
We have a great seat right behind the bench. And uh, those moments where you're kind of going and teaching are some of my favorites to, to witness. And that was a great example of it last night. Obviously, with Dorico dealing with his suspension, you're left with Danny and Leroy as your five, I guess, Wade in emergency situations. How do you anticipate that position moving forward? We'll approach it the same way. I mean, those guys, you know, there's there's certain things that, uh, you know, that, that will be expected of, of them or of that position, regardless of, of who's there. Now, they might be less offensively inclined. You know, that's one of the things that uh, Rico had made strides with, uh, you know, this preseason. Um, uh, but they've got to come out. They've got to know what we're doing, you know, try to execute at, at, at either end of the floor. They've got to be a physical presence for us. They've got to anchor our, our defensive rebound. Uh, and if he can do, if they can do those things, you know, any scoring that, that can come up, that's that's icing on the cake. But we really need those guys to, to step up. And they're getting a, a, a great opportunity to, you know, to play and to learn and to get repetitions that may, maybe they wouldn't have, have gotten. But uh, the situation is what it is. And hopefully they uh, are, are excited and, and ready to get that opportunity. All right. Uh, I think that kind of wraps up our questioning for this evening. Old Dominion plays at Ball State at 2 o'clock on Saturday. It'll be on ESPN Plus for all those watching at home. Best of luck this weekend. Safe travels. And we can't wait to talk to you again. All right, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.